Coming up on Telling the Odds, Disney releases literally all the Star Wars news. Just, just, just so much Star Wars news. As well as that, we cover the most recent episode of The Mandalorian, The Believer. What time is it, 3PO? It's time for Telling the Odds. Hello everybody and welcome back to Telling the Odds. This is episode 28. I believe we were gone last week because Michael and I were quite literally gone last week. We went on a camping trip with a couple of our friends, Um, but uh, that's beside the point. This is, it is the 13th of December and Christmas time is nearing, which is just strange all on its own. Very close. uh, yes, mm. so all that all that uh, stuff is hyping up as well as a lot, right. and I mean a lot of Star Wars news to cover this week. Yeah. There is just it's been Star kind Wars... of dry for like the past couple of months, like here and there little things, and then just boom all at once. Probably the biggest amount of Star Wars information released at once ever. I'm trying to think back, like no, honestly, yeah, the only I think you're thing I right. can it's... think of is when they. The only thing I can think of is when they announced they were making more Star Wars films when Disney bought it. That's the only thing I can think of that was like this was close uh, to this, this was announcements. Like this, this was like the announcements that you know Marvel has for the MCU, which is um, ironic mm. because the MCU, you know, Marvel did the exact same thing as Star Wars did around the exact same time, which makes sense because mm. they are both Disney and you know, so they have and a bunch Disney, of yeah. um, proper projects now slated. Which, as a Marvel fan as well as a Star Wars fan, I'm also incredibly excited for. But anyway, Star Wars is our main um, export here on Tell Me Odds, and that's what we're going to get into today, as well as getting into this week's episode of The Mandalorian, and we'll give you yes. guys our um, very general thoughts about last week's episode, seeing as we weren't here. Um, so basically, all the stuff that we're going to uh, have to cover today is uh, what we're going to be doing, and because there's so much of it, we won't waste any time and uh, get right into it. So uh, into it. my yeah. God, I mean, where can you start? There's so much to talk about. So Michael, I'll just let you exactly. let, you, <laughs> let you pick which one, do you, which one do you want to talk about first? Well, so I uh, believe we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten things addressed, with some being more info given, some having like footage released, and some just being mentioned. Uh, yep, so correct. I think we should start with what we see the most of, which is probably the Bad Batch, which we got a trailer for. So The Bad Batch, yes, that is uh, Star Wars's uh, newest animated show coming down the pipeline, and it's going to be set uh, shortly after the formation of the Empire, and based on yep. the trailer that we got, is focusing very heavily on the Bad Batch team itself. It's... I remember some news coming out, yeah. like, you know, when it was first announced that, you know, maybe we'd see some more of Rex and some other people, uh, and I mean, what they did might, right but, yeah. after. We still might, but at the same time, these are all fairly new characters because mm. they've only had one arc of Clone Wars. Um, and yeah, yeah I, 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 think, I, mean, I really liked the arc, so I'll be looking forward to seeing what we get. Uh, the way I get see it, and from the trailer and what we've seen, and kind of similar things I've heard online is, this is basically Clone Wars Season 8. If you look at Clone Wars Season 1 to yes, 7 and 501st, right. the show, then this is, instead of 501st, it's The Bad Batch. It's basically just Clone Wars continued. It's animation style, it's the stories of these characters, and so that I am incredibly excited for. Absolutely, me One too. One of my favorite... Oh, yeah, so you go? Go ahead. Okay. No, no. Um, 
Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> this is what happens when we have to record remotely. Uh, mm. Yeah, so essentially what happens is, uh, yeah, first of all, the animation that, you know, we got with that Clone Wars made famous and it's just like, you know, advanced as the seasons have gone on. It, it looks, again, really, really stellar. Again, this is only some very early uh, work, but, you know, they've still managed to put a trailer together. And, you know, yep. this is for more, the more keen-eyed uh, stuff, but you get to see some really cool... Uh, things happening already you get to see them yeah. coming back down to Camino. you get to see them coming down on onderon there was mm-hmm. um braca because you got to see the uh like there's there are huge huge fields of venator republic cruisers being just oh. shattered and, and broken apart so which is the planet that we saw in the very first part of the fallen order campaign which is very interesting oh really um yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, we'll get to go well, see, back there, which is awesome. One thing and- I'm really excited about is this era is like one of my favorite. I love like right after episode three, like I'm in between three and four, but specifically like near the beginning of the Empire, like a couple of years after episode three, that era is one of my yep. favorites. So you're seeing early parts of the Empire. They're starting to transition from their what they looked like in the Clone Wars to becoming more Empire-like. And it's just a really yes. interesting era that we've hardly explored a little bit of. Yeah, that's really interesting because we are still seeing all of these uh, troopers in their Mark II clone armor uniform. They haven't transitioned to stormtroopers yet because this is so early on after Revenge of the Sith, they quite literally haven't made the transition yet, which is really interesting. And you're absolutely right, Michael, because this is not only a part of Star Wars that is really, you know, favorable to me, but it's also because, and that is because of the fact that we've seen so little of it. We've seen very little of what happens between episodes three and four other than Rebels and Rogue One, which is very much towards the end. But we're So exactly, Rebels is... Rebels is nearer to the end. So there's a number of comics. I um, I know the Kane and Jarrus comic I really like is like directly afterwards. And similarly uh-huh. things which are like uh, Order 66 are. Um, I know there's a book that I've read which is, but like we haven't really had like a, like a cinematic style, like whether it be TV show or movies or whatever, story where we like see it on screen that much. I think Fallen Order is pretty close, but I haven't played that afterwards. Uh, I haven't played that. Uh, you, I think you have. And so I really like this era because, yeah, it's like early days Empire – you get to see like the transition of like because I think some of the most interesting designs for the Republic are in Revenge of the Sith, and like we don't really see too much of it. And I think they're really cool when you get to see the Revenge of the Sith things, but like being empireified, like the Venators, which have removed the Republic symbols and added Empire symbols, really cool. They they used to use V wings before they used Tie Fighters because Tie Fighters were introduced a couple of years later. So Ven- yes. Venators were used before they did ISDs. They said Clone Wars. They used they had a uh, Clone Troopers before they had Stormtroopers. Um, also, they used ATDPs for a bit until they got ATSTs. There are all these right. little things which are. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I mean, frankly, you when you talk, when you talk about the look for a lot of the Republic related stuff, um, in Revenge of the Sith, I agree because my favorite look for like soldiers, whether it be you know the Stormtroopers or the Clone Troopers or Rebel Commandos, whatever. By far, my favorite look for any of them is the Mark II Clone Trooper. I love how badass they all they all look, especially when they have different configurations like you know, the Bad Batch, which is what we're going to see. Because um, hmm. we didn't get to see, you know, a lot of them, which is really interesting. And, you know, it's it's interesting to see what's happened to them because they're clearly not on the Empire's side. So the answer, hmm. so the question that we posed in Season 7 seems to have now been answered is that their, yeah. you know, mutations have essentially buggered up their chips to the point where they haven't, um, where they haven't abided by Order 66, which is really interesting. 
Um, I think that's the idea, yeah, because they were like defects, and so perhaps yeah. they weren't given the chips, or perhaps their chips malfunctioned, or the, perhaps they were aware of them and got rid of them, or whatever the case is. But yeah, I think that's yeah. really interesting. Like that, these are kind of not your average clone troopers. Things went wrong with them; they're a bit different, and so they don't they don't react the same way the other clone troopers do, where they just kind of become indoctrinated when the chips activate. So I think that's really cool. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, some cool little tidbits that uh, you, you could, I guess you'd have to have a sort of uh, keen eye, you know, breaking down the trailer if you were to see them. Um, I th- uh, I'm pretty sure, and this is very exciting, that we're going to get to see Echo in a new suit, uh, the, mm. in his new black and red suit, because he's got like a tactical view over his eyes and stuff. It's really, really awesome. It's like um, Tech, who was one of the uh, already members of the Bad Batch. But, um, you know, first of all, to see Echo back is awesome, because Echo's Echo. We love Echo. And, uh, uh, yeah, to see him have a cool new look is great. And Fennec Shand from The Mandalorian. She's yeah. in this trailer. Um, you, you wouldn't notice it unless you had seen the latest episode of The Mandalorian because she has that, like, orange visor and the rest of it is, like, you know, sort of uh, black covering. But, yeah, Fennec Shand, Ming-Na Wen's character of The Mandalorian, is going to be in this show, which is awesome. And exactly. A return- and a returning character who needs no introduction because we both love him so much. Tarkin. Yeah, Tarkin Tar- shows Tarkin. up at the end of this show. I, which, is, which is great. I think it definitely works. Yeah. I love the look they're going for him because it is the perfect meld between um, Stephen Stanton's Clone Wars Tarkin and Stephen Stanton's Rebels Tarkin, which is awesome. And he's mm. obviously back to voice him, which is super cool uh, because I think he's yeah. great as Tarkin. He does a pretty good, you know, Peter Cushing. I mean, he, he does make the role his own, but at the same time, there's it's so evocative of what Cushing did back in the 70s. So Exactly. I think he goes more for the... Cause- in the what he is in the Clone Wars is he's younger, he's a bit different. It's not perfect to being Peter Cushion, but it doesn't have to be because it's like 19 years earlier or even yep. more. And so at this point, this is only a little bit after, so it should be closer to his appearance in Clone Wars, which it is, but it's still transi- transitioning and becoming more like the one that we're f- more familiar with. And in Rebels, he's, he's a lot closer to it, I think. Yeah, true. Uh, yeah, so that's Bad Batch. I'm, I'm very uh, excited to hear you know more about it in terms of what the actual plot will be. Um, whether or not they'll meet up with Rex, whether or not we'll get to see uh, Rex interacting with Wolf or Gregor to see how their story takes off. Who knows? Um, there's mm. so much to unpack there, especially in that era. So that's Bad Batch, and uh, that is only one of the uh, things we're going to be talking about today. So um, I'll go ahead and try another one, and this is one that I'm going to be that I'm very excited about. We're going to skip a couple of years here and go to Rangers of the New Republic, which is essentially yeah. a um, uh, basically what they said is sort of like, you know, a show that will follow the um, X-Wing pilots and the squadron leaders of uh, the New Republic, which is what we, who we've seen a very loose amount of uh, already in The Mandalorian. They've said that this show will be taking place in the era of The Mandalorian, and I am so, so excited for this show because if there is one thing that I said in our review of the second episode of... Uh, chapter of uh, season two of The Mandalorian is that I would pay so much money to see just a buddy cop movie or show of those two X-wing pilots uh, with um, you know Dave Filoni and the other uh, gentleman who showed up in, later in the other episodes with his discussion with um, yes. Cara Dune. I was just like, give me a show just with these two, and obviously it's not going to be just with these. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, I was like, give me a show with just these two. And it seems we're going to get it, not just with them two, but uh, it'd be cool if they were to show up. Like, I'd totally love to see Dave Filoni back in this show. That'd be awesome. Trap mm-hmm. a wolf all the way. Uh, yeah, so 
so that's yeah. that because look uh, I mean this is just me and we'll probably get into this uh, this same point with another one of the projects that's uh, been announced but in terms of uh, fighter pilots and stuff that is one of my favorite parts of Star Wars the stuff that grounds it yeah, exactly. so much in the uh, it grounds it in reality in terms of like you know war and dog fights and stuff like I've always said if I was a Star Wars character I'd want to be an ace pilot <laughs> so uh, mm. th- that's um that's something I'm very very excited for and especially I- I think in cool. Republic times because yeah. getting to see more that's of the, the new thing. republic we've is something we've seen that I'm excited for. very little of the new republic like very yes. little like by the time of force awakens they kind of like got rid of all of it and the new republic was gone in like one movie um and after return of the jedi we really have received very little stories showing the new republic after that time we've been starting to see a bit more of it in mandalorian but i think if we actually start to explore what it's like like the new republic navy the new republic like uh what's it called uh like parliament system like with the way that works like that would be yeah. really interesting because it's just again a, a period in the of star wars which just haven't got many stories of yeah no absolutely because you know if you're talking about ranges of the new republic there's going to be other parts of the new republic implied there like are we going to see you're right how their political spectrum works because you know if they're setting well, it I think- at the time of the yeah. yeah, the way it's ranges, and I think I heard apparently it's going to be tying in with the Mandalorian lot, which make, would make sense. It's probably going to be like the p- people of the New Republic that are out in the old uh, outer rim. Like they're going to be ones which are far yeah. away from the core that they're familiar with, I assume. And so we might not see as much of that. But even just seeing like people who work for the New Republic, like the bits we have seen with the in Mandalorian have been really great. Like, and it's it's always just so funny when you see like out in the outer rim where like all of these kind of gritty like kind of westerny kind of looking like uh outer rim scum and villainy people and then you just see these uh these new republic pilots come in there like bright orange jumpsuits just out look completely out of place it's it's, it's, it's so campy and i love it they, they look and, and... even more out of place than the stormtroopers do i love it I know. Oh, because that's the thing is that you realize now, after, now that we've got all these discussions, how much Mandalorian season two has been, uh, you know, setting the groundwork for these shows. Because <laughs> it, even even it's in the thing you know, we were when... joking about, where it's like it kind of felt like everything they were just bringing in a bunch of things, just like setting up all these different parts of the universe. And now that we know, that's what they were doing. Ahsoka that's was exactly setting what up they were doing. The we'll get to. Um, Range of the Republic. They were kind of setting up these Republic yeah. people. It just, I mean. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe the Thrawn was setting up for the th- for the Thrawn. Uh, sorry, for the Ahsoka TV show. That's probably uh, what well, we're I setting mean, up we'll, for at this we'll, point. We'll get to we'll get to that and the idea that I think mm. that's absolutely what's happening. But um, even you know when uh, Carson, who was the second X-wing pilot, was talking to Mandalorian about you know you know the fact that we're sweeping for old for um, you know remnant Imperial bases and stuff. That you know that could possibly be where the show takes us, which is an interesting idea. Um, mm. And like you said, I'm... even with Ahsoka mm. and Thrawn, I believe that is setting it up for her show. Um, so it's all very interesting, and it shows how much Mandalorian has um, done for the rest of the for the rest of the Star Wars universe in terms of these projects that are coming down the pipeline. So um, there you go. Yeah, I mean, I've seen. Uh, what was I saying? Uh, as we've seen a bit in the in the in the Mandalorian, and hopefully, if we see in the in the uh, New Republic Rangers, I've really enjoyed the start the empire remnants that we've been seeing i think it's been really interesting like seeing how strong i mean i guess we'll get into this more with the episode review but like how the the empire has survived after return of the jedi and yes while the empire organization and structure has been destroyed these remnants are still there here and there taking up 
little war like warlords are area, carrying areas and still holding little settlements and stuff. And so seeing New Republic people like kind of hunt them down and and exploring all these different parts like in ways that the Empire is just barely grasping onto power in different systems that would be really interesting. I think I think that's really it exciting. is it is really interesting. It's very it is very interesting because every time we see them back in the Mandalorian, I'm thinking. I mean, we call them remnants, but there seems to be a lot of them, which is interesting. Um, you know, it, it's interesting to see what their climate really is like, because all we'd ever do is run into them, but we never really see it from their perspective. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if the Rangers of the New Republic uh, elaborates on that in any way, which I'm sure they will. Um, all right, so that's that. Next project, I suppose, and we were just talking about her, so why not go to Ahsoka? Ahsoka's got her own show, everyone. Uh, I am... Yes. I mean, I, I, I'm super, super excited for that because Ahsoka's a fan favorite, one of my favorites as well. And it just goes back to the fact that Michael and I have been debating for a while, is the Thrawn reveal in Mandalorian supposed to be setting up some, oh, Moff Gideon's working for Thrawn or something else? I do believe that is that that, that is what we're going to see in Ahsoka's show. She's searching for Thrawn. She's, she's, search, she's searching for Ezra. Um... Uh, that I think is what the show will be focusing on based on what we've already seen of her in Mando. I could be completely wrong. I'd love to see, you know, something completely different, but no, at the same time, yeah. I think I think you're right. I think I did hear somewhere, I don't know if this is true or not, that apparently like this Rangers of the Republic and Ahsoka are all kind of like going to be leaning into each other and kind of doing overlap and stuff, which will be interesting, yeah. I guess, if, if that does end up happening. But in that sense, I could kind of still see both things being true where ahsoka being more about him leaning into trying to find so her leaning to try and find thrawn and and hunt down him for specific reasons but also yeah the the moff gideon and the remnants of the empire still being connected to that and so i guess we'll we'll explore as that goes further on but i definitely think it's great because the thing is as much as there were some issues that i might have had with the episode of the mandalorian um that she showed that ahsoka shows up in certain things i think the ahsoka we saw was great and so if we get a show starring her where they can just fully focus on her and the story that they want to tell specific to her outside of the mandalorian i think go ahead 100 percent. that's definitely what would be great especially because i think i think rosario dawson's coming back for this and she did a great job um with the soko so she is she's a fantastic actress and i'm excited to see her back as this character that she really obviously has a big affinity for because rosario dawson whenever mm. she talks about her in interviews is clearly a big star wars fan like you know before she was cast as ahsoka uh, people were just like oh what would you do if you're in star wars and she'd be like oh i mean i just retire after that because what else is there to do uh <laughs> which is kind of funny um something that else that i found kind of interesting and this is very like you know uh you know getting deeper into it than it probably needs to but if we look at the logo and the and the you know the you know the design uh, of this ahsoka uh, shows logo like the the symbols and imagery that like this circular symbol that's behind her right it reminds me mm. a lot of the world between worlds which is fascinating because i'm not sure right if if um, I'm not sure if Dave Filoni has any plan to bring in that back. I mean, we saw it very, he does uh, that, yeah, yeah. We, we saw it very late it's, in the game with Rebels. So, yes. and how how many of these um pro, pro well, not not programs uh these uh series uh, is Dave Filoni involved in? Because I would assume he would do Bad Batch because it's basically the Clone Wars, and I I would assume that'd be something he does. But also, yeah. you would assume he would help work on Ahsoka. Like, so how he many is he involved it. in? Yeah, I mean, yeah, so, yeah, 
Well, I, that, I mean, no, that's I the could thing. easily. I, oh, sorry, sorry, you go, you go. I'm very excited to see new people that haven't, uh, who, who either are completely undiscovered, don't have a big name for themselves yet, or they, or people that do have big names for themselves but haven't been in Star Wars before, which is when, which is when, which is what we're going to get into uh, with a project, you know, that we're going to talk about soon. Um, but at the same time, I feel you can't do an Ahsoka show without. Dave Filoni, because you're right, he is the guy. He's the guy. He 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 created her, and he knows what's best for her. Um, and at the, so, but at the same time, you're right. It's it's you know it's fun to think of how many of these shows he will be involved in. Because you're right, it's reasonable to assume that he'll be involved in Bad Batch because it's basically Clone Wars season eight, like you like you said, and Ahsoka and Rangers of the New Republic because he so he is one. He is a ranger of the New Republic. Um, so, yeah, it's very interesting as to see, like, you know, how many of them he'll be involved in, whether or not we'll get, you know, John Favreau or, you know, Deborah Chow is attached to Obi-Wan Kenobi, is, to, is attached to Obi-Wan Kenobi because she was already in Mandalorian. And, you know, it's it's all very interesting. And, you know, we don't have a lot of details creative-wise yet. We just have these shows and, you know, we know they're coming. Um, so, yeah, I, I honestly couldn't say. But at the same time, I really hope then he'll be a uh, a driving force because I just trust him wholeheartedly. Um, yes. Yeah, so it's very interesting. Um, yeah, because uh, as you were saying with the world between worlds, I think if you're going to... Because that was an, an, a really interesting idea in when it appeared in Rebels. However, to an extent, you almost don't want it to come back because it doesn't really fit with most of Star Wars. And especially if they yeah. use it as like, a narrative crutch, it's like kind of bad. But if anything exactly. that it would show up in, I think Ahsoka would be it because she's already had experience with it. She's, under she's like visited there. She's understood it and she like understands how dangerous it is. But also, I think it'd be interesting to see if she goes into exploring that side of the Force and learning about its history and, and exploring it like that because as like a Jedi or even just a Force user, I don't know if she identifies as a Jedi, like, like that would be an interesting way to explore it without kind of like letting the Empire or, or the Republic use it as just like to win every battle or whatever. So that I think if because we haven't seen like anything of World Between Worlds since it appeared, um, and so that could be a good place to explore that further. So I definitely think that would be interesting. Yeah, very true. I mean, when when Dave Filoni puts something out there like the world between worlds so late in Rebels, I like to believe it's mm. because he has plans to develop it in other um, media. Yeah, exactly. But at, the same time, but at the same time, I absolutely agree in that I don't want them to get caught up in what the world between worlds can offer because as soon as you put time travel into your property, right, it throws everything exactly. up into the air. Um, you know, and yeah, because people would just be like, why couldn't you just go back and do this? And so it's the, it's the kill baby Hitler rule, except play, except in Star Wars, you know, it, it, it sort of runs the risk of breaking the universe. So I hope they wouldn't, like, like you said, you know, uh, turn it into a narrative crutch. But I think the idea that Ahsoka is trying to learn more about it is an interesting way to uh, delve into it. But at the same time, you know, even if this isn't related to World Between Worlds and it's just how her logo looks, it's probably because of the fact that Ahsoka, in a lot of ways, is a very mystical character and she has ties to otherworldly stuff. Like, you know, Morai, her owl, is the embodiment of the daughter from Mortis because, you know, she, yep. because the daughter gave her life force to bring Ahsoka back to life in the Clone Wars and stuff. And that's why Morai, mm. who is basically the anthropomorphized embodiment of that power, follows her everywhere yep. she goes. Um, and so, and because of that, she has this real, um, uh, you know, magical tie, I suppose, uh, which is yeah, a very I think way of I really it, so. like it when we see different sides of the Force. Like, of course, you've got the side of the Force, which is like the way that the, the Jedi used it, where they kind of like they packaged it into like um, 
disciplines and like and like different false techniques and whatnot and used it for like yeah. the art of war which is interesting but i really also like it when we get to explore the more explore the more spiritual and mysterious side of it and so that could be a really interesting way of like ahsoka learning about this mysterious side of the force like similar to we we learned a little bit like that in last jedi um we learned a bit in star wars rebels um so like yeah learning about this more mysterious side of the force like that could be really interesting i think ahsoka would be a great person to do that with yeah, because like you said, she's not a Jedi, you know, she, but she, she's not strictly a Jedi. She doesn't identify as one, but at the same time, she is like crazy powerful. Like, you know, she's been at this for a long time and she's clearly very, um, uh, skilled. So to see how that would come into play in terms of where the force takes her next is, uh, is very interesting to think about. So, uh, we'll leave the Ahsoka conversation there. Michael, you pick another project. Let's talk yeah. about it. <laughs> if we talk about this forever. Well, this yeah. is going to be a really long episode. Well, I mean, let's probably go into a, a one that I kind of didn't expect that really came out of nowhere, which is a Lando. Yeah, um, there really has not been anything attached to this whatsoever. It's just a logo. No. Um, and so, yeah, let's talk about it. L- uh, Lando. So, uh, Donald, uh, Donald Glover back, perhaps, you know, I mean, he is, he is uh, I would Lando, so, the younger yeah. version of Lando. Um, and, you know, Donald Glover is so uh, multi-talented in so many different ways. It's awesome to see him back um, because, you know, say what you will about Solo. I think that uh, Donald Glover did well with what he was given as a young Lando. And uh, it'd be interesting to see where that mm. goes. You know, w- would it be set before he meets Han Solo? So we'd get to see him flying around in the very early days version of the Falcon. Maybe we'd get to see um, uh, L3, his droid back, which, um, I mean, frankly, I wouldn't be the biggest fan of that idea because I really didn't like that character. But, it, you know, it's interesting to see where his show would go <laughs> yeah. and where it would be set. But, you know. I, I think, personally, uh, it'd be really exciting to, um, yeah, like, see these all these different adventures that Lando went on because Lando was one of my favorite parts of um Solo a Star Wars story which look I, I I'm not I, I'm, I'm pretty open about it. it's one of my least favorite things we've gotten in Disney it just kind of felt very bland but but Donald Glover yep. as Lando was a lot of fun and exploring like his side and like the shenanigans he goes on whenever we do such a fun character and so Donald Glover I think did a great job in that role I did hear someone interesting which is like not like rumored or confirmed or anything but just a what could be a right. possible fun idea if we saw like stories of uh donald glover doing it but then like narrated by billy d williams like after the fact like telling about oh, like his adventures how awesome. cool would that be that would be so I good like kind of like so down for that or even like flip flopping between them, like some adventures like of him in the future of Billy D. Williams, some in the past of of uh, of Donald Glover. Like how that would be so exciting. Like I don't know what era it is. I don't even know what format it is. Like it's we've got received like barely anything. But just hearing yeah. this and hearing like a Lando centric show, so many ideas pop into my head. And so exactly, I'm I mean, actually it's quite a- excited for this. I, I really, I, yeah, I, I am too. I mean, it's Star Wars. I'll be excited for anything until we actually get it and, and we can and we can judge it for what it is. Um, I think that with a Lando show, you have to find a way to integrate Billy, integrate Billy D somehow. I oh, mean, of course, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, he's getting kind of old, but at the same time, you know, he was just in the holiday special. He voiced Lando in that, so you know, he's clearly still up for. Um, returning as this character or, and like, you know, even if it was in like a narrative, quite literally a narrative, um, you know, uh, job, you know, in a, in a, you know, he narrates parts of the show, you know, it, that doesn't take a lot of, you know, uh, on set requirements. It's just like, you know, 
you're speaking, which, you know, for Billy D as he mm-hmm. continues to, you know, age as we all do is, um, you know, just easier for him. And yeah, so I'm excited. I do think they missed a crucial chance to call this show the Calrissian Chronicles. <laughs> because the Calrissian Chronicles Ooh, was, the, was was the name yes. of that like video diary Lando was doing in the Falcon. Like hey, seriously, it's could, pie in the sky. Could, Just call it the Calrissian yeah. Chronicles. They could still like in universe call it like that. Like do it as if like Lando is explaining the Calrissian Chronicles. I feel like the reason they didn't do that is probably the name Lando is more recognizable in terms of this. Like yeah, if you see the no, whole thing true. with like a, an investor call. It's, like, done because they want big names. They want recognizability. So I think I can understand that, but, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. Uh, okay, so uh, let's pick another one. Um, before we get into the ones that we actually have a little bit more info about, let's choose one that I am um, low-key and um, just, you know, shamelessly pumped for. Willow, starring Warwick Davis. Um mm. I don't really know what this show could be. A lot of people are safely hypothesizing that we're going to be going back to Endor for some Ewok action. Um, Wait, did you say Willow? What? It's, yeah, Willow. It's, uh, Willow is, uh, the series that they've confirmed Then it's got, it's going to have Warwick Davis in it, which is kind of, in, which is kind of exciting. Did you not know that one? Are you referring to the 1988 film directed um, by Ron Howard and produced <laughs> by Lucasfilm? That's the first thing I thought of when I heard the name, but they're doing a completely new show called Willow. I did definitely think of the Ron Howard film first, and then I realized it's a completely new show. Michael is just are you stunned sure right this now. Is, are you sure this is Star Wars? I, I, I mean, it might not be. I don't know. I mean, is I it? Don't... Okay, well, if this isn't about Star Wars, we're going to be editing, editing this the hell out of this show. <laughs> Hang on, give me, give me a... Okay, no worries. Yeah, Lucas, Lucasfilm has announced it. Hang on, give me a second. Yeah. Uh, anytime past week. Yeah, this isn't a Star Wars thing. Okay, fair enough. All good. <laughs> I, it looks like it's a continuation of the film Willow from 1988. Um, okay. Okay, okay. Hang okay. on. I see you. Wait, I, wait, I, wait, I, wait, wait. I see what I'm no, 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 wrong. Give me a second. Give me a second. I'm doing my research. I'm doing my research. <laughs> uh, okay, here we go. Here we go. Willow coming to Disney Plus will be set decades after Ron Howard's 1988 movie, continuing the spirit of adventure, <laughs> heroics, and humor of the original film. Warwick Davies will return in the role as the great sorcerer Willow of God, with Don Cho, director of the groundbreaking Crazy Rich Asians, directing the pilot. Willow begins shooting March in Wales to view on Disney Plus in 2022. Are you pranking me? Is this a joke? Look, it was on the it was on like the screen with like all of the all of the logos, and then like off to the right <laughs> is Willow. All right, uh, and when they said that Warwick Davis was, do you know why? Because it'd be like, what the... it. It would have been for Lucasfilm's thing. Um, yeah, that's okay, so well, that's, good. That, that's fine. That's just a gaff by me, and we're going to edit that the hell out. Um, no, no, no. This is all staying in. All right, fine. All right. Um, <laughs> Michael's just losing it. Okay. Uh, all right. Now That's I'm just fine. searching up Willow Warwick Davis on images and just looking at, like, the eight-year-old Warwick Davis in this, like, funniest fantasy movie. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh, God. We're going to need to do it when just... this drops. We're gonna... No, no, we're going to need to do a uh, podcast episode talking about Willow. Oh, my God. Just shut up and pick the next project. It's Lucasfilm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What are we talking about next, next Michael? 
Pick uh, one, please, for the love of God. Is Rogue Squadron. Thank you. Uh, Rogue Squadron. Very excited for that, because like I said, it's all about the fighter pilot, which is very <laughs> exciting. But not only that, uh, this is... Uh, Michael, you're still killing yourself. My God. Um, <laughs> Does, who star- is Warwick Davis starring as Willow and Rogue Squadron? <laughs> what do you think of when you think Sorry. Warwick Davis, Michael? You think Ewoks, you think Weasel, you think every other character he's played in Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. It's uh, true. No, he's correct. Sorry, you're right. Rogue Squadron. Uh, it's got the same name as the game from the 90s, I'm pretty sure. So it that's does, interesting. Yeah. And but I don't think it's related to that. No, it's not. And this isn't a series. This is a film. And I and I believe that... Um, yes. I believe this is one of the unnamed films that we'd gotten in that slate, which is kind of cool. And it's not only cool yes, because it's one, of, the one three. of those unnamed movies. It's cool because it is directed by Paddy... Jenkins, the director of exactly. both Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman 1984, who is extremely, extremely skilled uh, as a filmmaker. So I'm really excited to see what she brought to it. And the video that yeah, she had so attached to this announcement where she was talking cool. about her uh, her father was a fighter pilot and she's always wanted to do a film like this and to have it be mm. not only this kind of project, but also a Star Wars project was super exciting for her. Like the video's got her getting into like an X-Wing jumpsuit and going off into an X-Wing, mm. like in a Top Gun style uh, hangar, which is really, really cool. Yeah. Um, Cause again, just seeing this kind of thing in Star Wars is something that I've always, always wanted. We're getting yeah, the, sure. the game Star Wars Squadrons, but instead it's a movie, which is super, super exciting. Again, we don't have a lot of yep. details other than the fact that Patty Jenkins is doing it and the video that was attached and of course the title, but uh, I don't know. I'm super excited. So yeah, I agree. I think very little's gone, gone, but uh, what they have shown so far, the idea of the film, what's going to be about the name and then the director, very exciting. I think, so the idea that it's like a film, because most of this has just been like Disney Plus shows. I don't know if they said if it would be cinematically released as well, if it was just a film, but uh, who knows? I think this was more Disney Plus stuff. But one thing I did find interesting is they announced this. They announced, they, they mentioned the uh, the Taika Waititi one, but they didn't show anything of it. However, yeah. we didn't hear anything about Ryan Johnson's trilogy. So I wonder if they've just kind of shuffled that under the rug. That's not happening. Not happening. I, I, it's there's no way it's happening because I think that Ryan Johnson is a very talented director, but with the backlash that like that Last Jedi got, deserve it or not, they know that yeah. it's too divisive of a subject for people to actually they get just, behind it properly. They're like, honestly, they, I, I, like, as much as I, I think because we're one of the proponents of Last Jedi. However, we, we do, also, we both I, like I, I, I kind of realized like before Last Jedi came out. They were like, like hyping it up. They're saying, "Oh, this is gonna be great." And then before it came out, they announced that they were already given him like three extra films to do. I'm like, "Look, I am excited for Last Jedi, but <laughs> shouldn't you wait till the film gets like what I the know, reception? We have of the no film idea how this before guy you announce Star Wars. Yet. Yeah, yeah. Before you announce, he's doing three more and. Look, say whether you, what you will, but I guess they acted. They announced it prematurely because it doesn't look like it's happening anymore. No, I don't think there's any way that it's happening. Like it, it, that, that, that trilogy went the way of Benioff and Weiss's Star Wars project. It's, it's, oh, yeah. it's not. It's just not happening. Um, I think that after Rise of Skywalker came out, and we did that whole, sh- uh, and you know, we did a whole episode on Kathleen Kennedy's like spiel about how they're going to be changing the dynamic of Star Wars going forward completely. I think that that around that time is when Ryan Johnson's trilogy just went kaput completely. Which I do feel bad for, you know, Ryan Johnson. I do like to see him get work, but at the same time, he is so gifted as an original filmmaker. Let's do, let's he, let's see him do something other than Star Wars. Let's see him do another Knives Out. Like you know, it's just something. Really 
really awesome and originally written because he's so talented when he doesn't have a you know, a company attached to him like Lucasfilm. So I think he's a great filmmaker and I want to see what he does next, but I don't want to see it in Star Wars because he, like, he is a filmmaker like Edgar Wright, like Tim Burton. You can't attach them to properties. They need to be able to do their own thing, um, which yeah. I hope we do get to see more of. So uh, that's that um, uh, was the one that we were just talking about. And I think the next one we'll move on to is something that's very interesting um visions visions it's uh is is one of the yeah. uh, series we're going to be getting and it is a series of anthology short films that celebrates the star wars galaxy through the lens of the world's best japanese anime creators interesting very uh, very very interesting because yeah. listen um if they're talking about world's best Japanese anime creators, uh, and like the idea that we could get Studio Ghibli involved in a Star Wars project is mind blowing because that animation and those films are is beautiful. It, is it Studio Ghibli? Is that what they said? And I, I don't think it's strictly Studio Ghibli, but I'm just saying that they do a lot of that um, beautiful anime filmmaking. And like you know, right. I'm not sure if you if you guys have seen them, but films like Spirited Away, just like you know, and all those movies, they're just so beautiful and well done. And mm. if we get to see something like that, Star Wars related, that's just oh god, I would be over well, the moon. That, there was a there was a Star Wars fan project that was created a couple of years ago, or whatever, which was like Star Wars anime, and it looks really cool. I really enjoyed yeah. that, and um. I don't know. I I I don't know if I should out myself. I mean, I watch a fair amount of anime, and so I guess if we see something Star Wars related, in it, that could be pretty cool. I think that's fun. It's always good when you uh, when you see like animation styles kind of jump different to different genres of animation styles, like kind of how uh, Clone Wars, the TV show, is is like well, the Clone Wars is so different from Star Wars Clone Wars. Like those are two dramatically different animation styles. So seeing something different going to like more an anime style, which they were saying when like Resistance came out, but like the anime style that was was the 3D animation style, which is like kind of no one really likes that one. Um, but you know, I mean, yeah. But, yeah so it would um, be interesting. Do they have? Do they give any information about like what like? era they, or what are we going to see now? they really don't it's just what i said really i mean yeah. i haven't really given a lot of details for any of it really um i mean we're going to get we're going to get into some of the series that have had a little bit more stuff attached to them uh shortly yep. uh but yeah that is what we've got as far as this new visions uh short film series uh i think we'll move on to another intriguing project that's coming down the pipeline and that is the acolyte the Acolyte is set during the High Republic era, a period roughly 100 to 300 years before the original trilogy that marks the golden age of the Jedi and the Old Republic. The Acolyte will likely tie into the series of High Republic books and comics that Disney and publisher Del Rey are about to roll out. Um, it is. I'm excited by this because it is a, a part of Star Wars in terms of the chronology that we have never ever seen before like really really going back to a long time before the prequels even started which is interesting um yeah exactly i i love i love seeing different eras different parts of star wars we hardly explore and the high republic as they called it they used to be called the old republic but i think they're going with the high republic now which is cool um which so basically before phantom menace is generally what's considered high republic i think yes. is how, how they refer to it um, and so that's that would be really exciting, like seeing how the Republic was beforehand, how it kind of fell early Sith days, because the way it looks like Acolyte is generally, I think, a Sith term. The logo looks very Sith related. Related. It's red. Um, it's, so yeah, it's ashen. Exactly. <laughs> I think. I think definitely what we I reckon we'll be seeing is early Sith or like 
building up to the Sith things. Possibly, you were saying possibly Darth Maul. I think maybe. We've seen a lot of Darth Maul. Personally, I would love to see like Plagueis show up or even like earlier yes. Sith than Plagueis. Like that well, would be really exciting to me. Yeah, no, that's the thing. I mentioned to you Darth Maul, but before I realized this is going to be set so long beforehand. So most likely not Maul. Mm. I would abs- you're right. I would love to see Plagueis. I would love to see more of maybe Darth Bane, the origins of the rule of two. That'd be, co- that'd be really, really cool. Darth Nihilus. Look, I mean, ideally, I would all also. Of them. Ideally, I would love to see Revan and Malak, but who knows? Yes. I think they'll probably just do yes, their own thing so at some cool. point. But yeah, yeah, um, mm. yeah. That'd be that'd be really really cool. Uh, I really want to see uh, the older days of the Jedi before they really lost their way and they were just peacekeepers because we've never seen that on screen before, whether it be on in movies or in television. So uh, yeah, that's going to be super super exciting. I can't. Uh, I can't. Yeah, another one that I'm really really excited for. Um, probably yep. uh, just you know scrape the bottom of the brow before we get into the ones that we that actually have a lot of stuff attached to them. Uh, a droid story. Um, a droid story again. Not a lot of info yeah. attached to this one. This is basically as much as info as we have as uh, like Lando. There's like nothing attached to it. But uh, a droid story. It's it's interesting. I'm gonna take a, a like a, a bit of a bet and say it's gonna be about droids. Um, <laughs> I reckon. Yeah, it's um, kind of looking similar in style to to Star Wars droids, which is the one of the yeah. earliest Star Wars cartoons, which is really interesting because I love the style of that. It's like kind of, yeah. I think the pilot is kind of similar to uh, like what they saw in the holiday special, which, you know, is interesting. But <laughs> yeah. I think a yes. kind of retro looking like cartoon, like, a, like maybe a more kind of like childish cartoon uh, about Star Wars droids, uh, like exploring that could be really fun. Plus if they get back Anthony Daniels to do C-3PO, you know, it's always going to be a fun time. So yeah, exactly. Kind of like I mean, similar- Anthony- Similar to those R2-D2, C-3PO-centric episodes of The Clone Wars, but like yeah. in a more like cartoony uh, style that would kind of like work with it better, I think that would be 100% a lot of fun. Definitely. I mean, look, Anthony Daniels will agree to come back for anything C-3PO related. He is he, the only... He has gone... Like, that's the thing. There are, there are a couple of actors who have come back for a lot of things. Anthony Daniels is pretty much the actor out of nearly any property, like... Uh, any like sci-fi fantasy like any fiction property that has come back for nearly everything i there's only like there's literally like, everything you can, count on, like, you can count on one hand the amount of things he hasn't been in kind of pretty close to that like there's been obscure video games he's been in he's been in like ads he's like voiced like box like voice boxes for things it's he anthony Daniels has come back for speed through and so many things and like to be fair, some of it comes from just like his like love of the character, just wants to be on everything, and some of it does come for Anthony Daniels is kind of known for like being very protective of C three PO and thinking he's the only one that can do it, which you know, interesting. But um, look, I think he's done a great job so far. So you know, give him the benefit of the doubt. He's he's certainly been a great and such an iconic C three PO. Totally. You know, I would implore you guys to find a single Star Wars project where C-3PO shows up and talks, and it's not Anthony Daniels. Uh, so, interesting. I mean, look, this Adroid Story logo, it does have a blue and white color palette, which obviously uh, makes uh, brings us back to R2-D2. Um, but at the same time, there is so much you could do with this show. Like, you know, 
uh, what were R2 and 3PO doing between episodes 3 and 4? Like, there's a 19-year gap where they were in service to Captain Antilles. Like, you know, what they were they doing? Uh, you know, how did R2 get onto the Nubian ship on Naboo? In, but the, literally the first time we see him chronologically in Phantom Menace. What was he doing beforehand? I don't know. Uh, there is so much to unpack here, even without those two. Like, you were with a completely new set of droids. Uh, just go full D-Squad with this show. Um, <laughs> which I'm sure a lot of people would love. Um, yeah, yeah, D Squad, infamous uh, arc in Clone Wars. Uh, so yeah, that's that. Uh, so Droid Story, Visions, Lando, Rogue Quadrant, Rangers of the New Republic. We've talked about a lot of them. Ahsoka, Bad Batch. Yeah, okay. There's only two to uh, two that are left to talk about. One of them has an entire sizzle reel attached, and that is Andor, yes. Cassian Andor's Andor, which, series. Um, uh, I'll be I'll be honest about this. Yep, it's probably the one I'm least interested in out of everything. Okay. Um, in terms of like, look, it's it's not necessarily bad. I just think personally, what we saw of the Cassian Andor character, I think we we saw a lot of, and I'm purpose, perfectly perfectly happy with what we did see. If we get to see more interesting parts of him, sure, that'd be fine. Uh, the era is interesting, like seeing like early days um, re- rebels fighting against the Empire, possibly in more like kind of terrorist ways, where they were less uh, fighting with strict like a uh, moral like leanings they were more like war crime type thing that could certainly yep. be interesting but in terms of like how we're gonna see it's like it's live action which is exciting like but like i guess we've been saying that with mandalorian and we'll see it with further things um but it's just it just it feels like out of everything we've seen so far this feels the least fresh and new like everything else has got something like wow this is something we really we wanting to see in star wars for forever or this is something we've never seen in star wars before whereas this is just like okay so it's just it's more cast nando and it's more just it's like rogue one if it was a tv show but a bit earlier i don't know that's how i personally see it yeah no i i do agree is that like you know i mean look when we came out of rogue one cassie nandor definitely wasn't the character where i was like yes he needs a show um yeah i think he was great in that movie in fact he was one of my favorite parts of that movie but yeah. again he felt very complete in that film. I agree, you know, and but and then at the same time, I I often go over it in my head about like you know when you would set this show. I mean, like, uh, you know, are you just going to show more early days rebellion because we got so much of that in Rebels? Like, you know, it's it's hard to say what they could show us that's new. At the same time, you know, it's completely open to interpretation, and you know, we could be completely wrong. It's going to be a great show. Uh, but, you know, it's, it, I do have the same thoughts, Michael, is that it, I struggle to imagine what they could do that is really as new and as fresh as something that we could get in a show like The Acolyte, like, uh, like some of the other shows we're getting, like Visions and, you know, some of those other shows. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I do agree with you. You know, in this sizzle reel that we got, we got to see some, um, you know, interviewing with uh, Diego Luna, who plays Cassian Andor. We got to see some concept art of him and a bunch of other, you know, rebel scoundrels, as you could call them, uh, you know, in the thick of battle, I suppose. They're clearly building massive sets. Like, you see uh, Neil Scanlon, who is a prop designer and, you know... Uh, uh, you know, uh, part of the Creatures Workshop in Star Wars has been for all the sa- yep. uh, the most recent saga films, who I think is very, very talented, and I like, and I really like him. You know, he's clearly involved in the project, and he basically says in the sizzle reel that there is nothing production-wise that sets these shows apart from a yeah. film. They are all basically on the same scale. That's true. I think, um, yeah, there's definitely things to be excited about. Because, like, the, what they were showing, they were showing, like, interesting looks at, like, aliens in it. Um, and certainly the production line looks great. And if it's, if it's as, like, high quality as The Mandalorian is, then, 
like I'm sure it's going to be such a good time. Like just being feeling like you're watching something which is just in the Star Wars universe is just but that in itself is definitely such a an enjoyable experience, regardless of what whatever happens in it. But I just I think out of like what what I've been really enjoying about these Disney Plus announcements and shows and stuff is it feels like they've been able to explore these more niche parts of the Star Wars world that like they wouldn't have explored in like a big cinematic movie. But yeah. then like I guess this show just feels like the le- the mo- mo- most most unoriginal or even not even just unoriginal like un uh unexperimental i feel like this is just very simple it's like well this character in rogue one here's his backstory and i guess similar something like lando is kind of similar but personally like i'd be more interested in exploring more about lando than 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 cassian andor but yeah we also did know about one for a while ago so since a while so the announcement back then was kind of like the oh that one um and it was the joke that we always was like this was the uh, show that we forgot existed that whenever it was reminded, like, oh yeah, that's a thing. I forgot that yeah, one. Yeah, like that. when there was news that we talked about in regarding uh, regarding Cassian Andor, we were just like, oh yeah, that show's coming. We forgot. We completely forgot. forgot. About that. Um, and mainly because we were so wrapped up in the production of the last show that we're going to be talking about, a show mm. that will be starring a not so original character now, but I am yes. still so excited. But for, all, and that is a, that's the thing. The yeah. difference is we all love this character so much and we've just been begging to see more of him, so... Absolutely, and that is, of course, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, the show has officially been named Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, any time that I've seen a fan trailer version of it, it's just been Kenobi. We now have an official yeah, title. Yeah, I would have thought they Kenobi, but... You know. Yeah, but his, the, the title of the show is his full name, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, and it's not only that, we have uh, received official, official confirmation that Hayden... Christensen will be back as Darth Vader, which is yes. super exciting. I cannot wait 100%. to see Hayden back in Star Wars. Um, yeah. Yes. Because, uh, look, he gets so much hate for Anakin in the prequels because he was just executing what George Lucas gave him. Hayden Christensen, I stand mm. by this, is a very good actor in other things and to see him attached to what is potentially going to be a really amazing project under the helm of a car- of a person like uh, Deborah Chow I cannot wait to see what Hayden Christensen is going to be doing in this series um you know a lot of people have been talking about the fact that oh yes we're going to see the rematch between Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen which is which makes me think you know uh yeah but also no because they can't meet um which is, which is yeah uh, it's, I, I, I mean, think, yeah, I think they clearly can't. Yeah, they can't meet because he says I haven't felt that presence in a long time. Well, I mean, it's ambiguous, but I feel like I don't really want them to meet. I personally would love to see Hayden Christensen come back in either flashbacks, either like flashback, like as a Clone Wars Anakin? era, where yeah. as Clone Wars Anakin, but as Hayden Christensen, that and of course. Ewan McGregor. That would be really exciting. Like when we get to see them in their outfits or doing something Clone Wars later, that'd be great. But also, possibly just even in like in like I like temptate like not uh, like a not Force Ghost, but uh, like memory or visions on Tatooine, like kind of like showing us like guilt because oh, clearly Obi Wan would have so much guilt and feel responsible for yes. what happened with Anakin. Like yeah, because so I think that, that could be certainly interesting. I think that is the perfect way to integrate Hayden Christensen because look we do a lot of stupid stuff in lockdown that's just like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like at one point, I think it was like halfway through the year, I wrote a fan version of the first episode of a Kenobi series. And the way I would integrate Anakin 
is doing exactly what you just said, having him be a figment of everyone's imagination that follows him around, whether it be, you know, in his, you know, homestead or just while he's wandering the deserts of Tatooine, you know, talking to him and, you know, basically showing the inner workings of everyone's psyche in terms of the guilt he feels for leading his you know, apprentice astray, which is really, really interesting. I'd love to see him employed in that way because I really wouldn't want him to see, uh, I really wouldn't want him to be, you know, uh, you know, Darth Vader and to have him be, you know, in a lightsaber duel with Obi-Wan. That's the last thing I want to see because I really don't want them to have mm. met um, at all before the Death Star, before, you know, I, I want them the, the last time yeah, that they I saw each other before the Death Star to be Mustafar still. Um that's the thing. I think you you could easily get away with when Maul appeared, like having him show up there and like just calling him Kenobi. It's like, well, I haven't heard the name Obi Wan in years. Like that's fine. You could even, I think, get away with feasibly having him leave Tatooine, although you'd have to like explain it some way as why he's leaving, protecting Luke. But yeah. having him see and meet Vader. That's a real stretch. I feel like. Yeah, I don't mind him having. I don't mind him finding out that Vader exists because he obviously needs to find that out he needs to find out that vader is anakin because it's going to be interesting to see yeah, you know at what point he realizes yeah. he's alive because as far as obi-wan was he's aware of a lot that... of those things it's it's very yeah. clear he's aware of these things in in uh, new hope yeah because you know at the time of you know say luke and leia being born obi-wan was under the complete impression that he had killed anakin um, you know, he had thought he, he thought he was dead. So it's going to be interesting to see at what point Obi-Wan actually found out that Anakin was not only alive, but has been now reincarnated as this black suited cyborg. Um, that's actually been, you know, elaborated a little bit in comics is, uh, you know, I believe it was shortly after him, uh, his, uh, you know, very early on in his stint on Tatooine, um, uh, you know, Obi-Wan came to a cantina and heard on the hollow net that Darth Vader was roaming around and stuff, you know, and that's how he found out. So, um, but that of course is a ca is a comic thing. You know, you could elaborate that, um, or completely change it in a canon TV series. Um, yeah, which I'm yeah. perfectly happy with. Yeah, I'm happy with see it too. Thing, but to first... see the meat, no thank oh, you. Oh, no, you go. You go. Yeah, okay. Uh, I think the way I've seen things is when it first happened, started with Disney, Disney was very selective in what they were doing on the big screen like they would have their what was on the big screen was that was the priority and they focused around that and when they let them do like like comic books or video games or or little books or even like that they were kind of around things that disney wasn't touching which is why there wasn't really much clashing but now that disney's like their disney plus shows like their tell them the tv shows and their other and their movies and stuff is starting to explore lots of different parts of the universe you're gonna start to see more clashing of it where um, where it would have, uh, what's it called? Where they would have already done something with that, but they want to do something different for the story they're telling. And I think while that was originally, it's like, well, if it's if it was canon in the books and the comics, it's probably canon in the thing, even if it doesn't really address. Nowadays, it's like they, I feel like they 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 should try to work with what's canon. But similarly to how with Boba Fett, if it doesn't necessarily conflict a hundred percent with what we've already seen, it's not the end of the world. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, because you know what, you're right, you know, whenever Darth Vader shows up on the Death Star, he says, I felt something, a presence I've not felt since, you know, there's, and he doesn't, he doesn't say anything other than that, like, you know, there's nothing in A New Hope that flat out says, no, Obi-Wan and Vader did not meet again until after, um, uh, after Mustafar and before the Death Star when everyone dies, like, you know, there's nothing that flat out says, 
you know, they didn't meet. But like, at the same time, I don't want them to have met because it's the more it's it's all the more impactful thinking that Obi Wan's fight with him in a, in in a New Hope is the first time they've come face to face since. I mean, I mean. Well, actually, you know what? No, no, no. There is a, a, a you know, there is a, a thing that, you know, denies that completely is that Vader says, when I left you, I was about the learner. Now I'm the master. You know, that essentially says, you know, yeah, exactly. the last time we met was when I was your apprentice on Mustafar. And now I am the one who's going to kill you. So, yeah, I think that if you were to show them meeting I, in this gap, it I would agree. break the I universe. It's, it's too, well. They've done breaking breaking the universe things before, but I feel like the type of thing is they don't need to. It's not they they can like I'm glad Hayden Hayden Christensen's coming back, but even then, if I if I want if Vader shows up, I don't necessarily want Hayden Christensen to be it because unless they did what they do in Rebels where he breaks his mask and you briefly see Anakin, it should be James L. Jones. Like and so I feel like Hayden Christensen should come back as Anakin, not as Darth Vader. And there are definitely ways you can do that bring him back as Anakin. And so, yeah, I think, I think they, they'll be able to get away with that. Yeah, I mean, hey, look, they got through an entire series of Clone Wars and never had Anakin and Grievous met and, and meet, and it never changed a thing. So, uh, you know, it's feasible. Um, <laughs> that's not really a good point. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, that's the, oh, also the, the final point about this show that we've now learnt is that it will mm. be set 10 years after uh, Revenge of the Sith, which is yep. interesting because, you know... That's pretty much what I expected. Yeah, I mean, about, I, half, I, about halfway. Nine years before the events yeah, of I A think, New Hope and ten years after Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe you could have done it, like, earlier, but I think, yeah, you don't want it to be too close to Rebels or A New Hope because at that point he's going to look a lot more like Alec Guinness and you kind of... You, you, you don't want it to have to do that much, like, makeup or whatever they do to try and do that. Um, and yeah. also, we've already kind of seen a little bit of Obi Wan at that point. You want him to be learning and exploring, like what it's like in his in his uh, not I well, I guess isolation on on Tatooine. And so, ten years is a pretty good point where he's he's had time to grow in the Force. He's had time to get used to it. However, there's still many lot of lot of room to him to go on adventures or whatever happens in Kenobi. And so, this is I think out of them, uh, we could we could we could rank which one I'm most excited for. But I think Obi Wan is definitely. It's got to be number one for me. I think. I mean, Ahsoka is. We have no nothing. We know. We don't know much about Ahsoka. Um, Bad Batch will be exciting because I love Clone Wars. But looking at all of them, I'm just so so excited for Obi Wan. Yeah, I mean, I'm just excited for all this Star Wars stuff in general. Like you know, all these, all these, all these new properties taking us to new places that we've never been before. New people who haven't been involved in Star Wars projects before getting their chance to shine mm. in a universe like this. Yeah, it's new just all so... in Star Wars is always a good thing. It is, absolutely. It's just all so exciting. I mean, like, you know, Patty Jenkins, like, you know, to see her in Star Wars is just the tip of the iceberg, you know? Like, we were just talking about these Japanese animators. So many of them are so bloody gifted. To see them in a property like Star Wars is just a dream come true. So there is just so much to love about these announcements, and we've spent a whole hour talking about them, so that is more than clear. Um, so, yeah, that that's that, guys, and I think that brings an end to the discussion in terms of these new announcements, and uh, I guess we can spend the rest of the episode talking to you guys about the most recent episode of The Mandalorian. Uh, chapter, what is it? 15. Chapter 15, uh, The Believer, which aired uh, two days ago. 
Um, and we'll also give our very brief thoughts on uh, last week's episode, uh, The Tragedy. And uh, yeah, look, the main discussion is going to be about The Believer, so I'll just wrap up my thoughts very quickly. Uh, seeing the Slave 1 and Boba Fett back, I screamed like a baby. Uh, to see Baby oh, yeah. Yoda be taken, heart-crushing. Um, let's see, the action by, Ro- by Robert Rodriguez, yeah. uh, uh, who was <laughs> a who was a established action director from Spy Kids, <laughs> was Spy awesome. Like, uh, that's just, yeah, we, we have talked about this before. However, there were some issues. We were away and there were some problems. But I think, yeah, we'll just do a brief overview. Um, I think the Dark Troopers, they showed up. They were really cool. Overall, it was a really exciting episode. One of the most like action-packed throughout and really emotionally exciting for it. But... uh. Yeah, I think it just it's really interestingly set up how the end of this series is going to go and like how high stakes it has been where cuz like you you I mean we were we were already so tense or like like so tense when we thought Yoda I mean baby Yoda Grogu was going to be taken in episode 5 or 6 or whatever and now yeah. that like at the end of this he's been taken it's like it oh. actually happened. Yeah, well cuz that's the yeah. thing is that um uh oh god what was i about to say is that uh first of all to see the razor crest blow up was just it pierced my heart because that ship is Mm. so cool and to have it be destroyed completely is just oh god it's a kick to the nuts um and it's just yeah it's uh yeah there was so much to love about this episode i really really loved it it was basically just one action set piece which is really really cool um the idea that yoda baby yoda has um, reached out in the force and sought out a Jedi. The fact that this procedure of his was basically complete leads us to believe that whoever he was trying to get to has heard him. So it's interesting to see if we'll get to see that in the last episode, which we'll talk about uh, shortly. And the ending of that episode, the tragedy, uh, led us into what was going to take place in this week's episode, essentially them tracking down uh, Mayfield, by, uh, uh, Bill Burr's character from Chapter 6. And uh, that leads us yeah. right into our discussion, which we'll get into now. So, uh, before we get into some uh, specifics of the episode itself, we'll get into, you know, just some thoughts overall. Um, it seems, you know, pretty consistent with the rest of our thoughts about the last couple of episodes, but I thought it was very good. I thought it was well-constructed. Um, again, it was very, uh, action-based as these last couple of episodes are going to be, and I thought it was very well handled, and I thought, uh, yeah, and, uh, I believe it was, uh, Rick Fumiyiwa who directed, uh, Chapter 6, the Prison Break episode of last season. I love to see him back, because he's clearly very Mm. talented, and, uh, yeah, just to see him back doing stuff in Star Wars is, is great because even in those back behind the scenes ones, he just seems like a really, really cool guy. So I'm glad to see he's directing this again. Um, to see Bill Burr back was fantastic. And this idea that it's basically a... Uh, it sort of reminded me of Mad Max Fury Road, that they're ferrying a, uh, a vehicle filled it with is, stuff yeah. and they're having to fend this off pirates who are trying to take it from them. energy episode, I think. Yeah, well, the way, like, it felt so visceral, like, with the fight scenes where, I mean, again, you've already started to, like, throughout the series, you've seen, like, fight scenes against stormtroopers, like, their armor just kind of shatters when they get hit. But seeing it on Mando, you just see how useless their armor is compared to Beskar. So I when know. he was fighting those people up there, like, as, like, we've, because we've kind of haven't really felt stakes for Mando really much. Most of the stakes have been done, like, Grogo's side, like, oh, watch out for the, the child. But, like, now that he's outside of his Beskar armor, yeah, he's a great warrior and he's, he's really good at fighting, but he's 
exposed, like a blaster bolt's still going to hurt him. And being hit by things, he's not immune anymore, which was, that I was know. really exciting. Well, I think. That is really what I'm loving about these last couple of episodes, because we've gotten used to seeing Din Djarin, the Mandalorian, as this guy who is completely uh, in uh, control at all times. He just knows how to do stuff because of how great and skilled a warrior he is. But in these last few episodes, his, he, he has just been just put through the ringer. He's lost his ship. He's lost his child. And now he's having to deal with all these stuff that is really not going his way. And that is why he's such a strong protagonist is because he's suffering. And to see him and how he deals with that suffering is is really interesting on a character-based level. And I think that what they're doing with it is very, very interesting. He's having to deal with his own mortality, which is which is very interesting. He's having to be flown around. Normally, he's the one doing the flying. It's all a completely new experience yeah. for not only him, but for us as well. And speaking of being flown around, to see the Slave One back in such a big... Uh, uh, you know, mm. it's in such a big way. This is probably the most oh. we're going to get to see the Slave One in anything so far because we've got to see it in, very loosely in, while, yeah. in both Attack of the Clones and Empire. Like, this is the most we've ever seen it. This is the most we've ever seen of the interior of the Slave One. Um, yeah, we did. Yeah, we got to see, like, you know, new seating areas, which was awesome. Like, you know, my vintage Dude, collection Slave One doesn't have those areas. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, no, Rip-off, right? And, of course, the best part of... Maybe not the maybe, yeah, there were lots of good parts of the episode, but certainly the best part that we saw of the Slave One is my boy uh, Seismic Charge. Was it Seismic? Oh yes, the Seismic Return. Charge from Attack of the Clones. It just the, I mean like the most satisfying sound effect of pretty much all I would say all Star Wars, but pretty much I mean this one it wasn't as clean, but certainly in Attack of the Clones. The sound effect of the seismic charge is probably the most satisfying sound effect of all cinema, in my opinion. Stephanie. Yeah, it's 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 ironic that the that I, it, it is ironic that my favorite and yeah. by far the best sound effect that's ever been in Star Wars is in Attack of the Clones. But I, yep. but I agree that it is my it is absolutely my favorite sound effect, and the way that like, it just Star Wars has got some iconic sound effects, but seismic charge is ki- the just way that it completely mutes. And then just goes, mm. bang. it's oh so cool. It's and to see it like go in the in like this massive blue ring across the sky, yep. just so perfect. Uh, that was great when that showed up. I'm like, oh, I, I didn't even think about that. I'm like, when they uh, Slave 1 showed up, because I guess I just separated in my mind Django Fett Slave 1, Boba Fett Slave 1, even though they are the same ship. Although... Are they the same ship? Because it kind of they are up the same. They are the same ship. It's uh, <laughs> it's just yeah. There there are certain parts of it that have been you know maybe altered, Replaced but clearly the seismic charges yeah. uh, have stayed where They're they still are. Still there. I'm glad which is, because so good. Please do not yeah. get rid of them. They're the best. Um, they are. And something I else... didn't even yeah I didn't even think about when it happened, but when it showed up, I'm like, of course yeah. they had to do that. Brilliant. Something else to do with uh you know that area of the of the of the episode. Boba Fett has been updating his armor and it's like grand spanking new. It's green and red in like factory colors. It is just so sleek looking to see Boba Fett fan favorite back in such an awesome new way. It's just so wholesome. He had his, he had his original blaster back. It's just, Oh, I love it so much. So cool. Um, and to see Ming-Na Wen's Fen, uh, uh, I was about to say, uh, uh something else, uh, Fennec Shand and Cara Dune team up. Yes. So cool. They were so cool with their like snipers on there. That was a great. Yeah. Cause they're fit. so, they're both so capable and badass, and it's really great to see them back. But something I really loved 
was the dynamic between Bill Burr and Mando. Because, you know, to see mm-hmm. them back together, like, you know, I was thinking I mean, Bill that Burr's as soon always, as... Bill Burr's a lot of fun, but yeah. He is, because he's a very funny guy. He's he's a comedian in real life. He's got a, he's got his own podcast like us, Michael. But at the same time, oh, really? he's he's also very talented. And, you know, I was curious as to what his reaction would be when he saw Mando again. I thought he was just going to, like, just thrust out and try to kill him because he locked him up. But uh, at the same time, they have to learn to work together. And some of the discussions they have while they're in that, like, you know, machine that they're driving is very interesting. And Bill Burr starts to unravel some of the, you know, deep-seated political views of the people in Star Wars. And it's something that they haven't really, uh, you know, really gone into properly. But it's an interesting idea is that... You know, farm, far, like farmers that like the like the ones that are on this planet that they're on. Uh, he's absolutely right. Doesn't matter if it's the Empire, or if it's the New Republic. It's still a a government that's telling them what to do, yep. and a lot of the time, it's they're all the same to them, which is an interesting thought. Exactly. Yeah. It's like yeah, one's sure one's like more authoritarian, and one is just trying to restore order, or whatever. But like they're still the same. It's all just one th- like well, authoritarian force like coming into the in like kind of invaders in a sense but i just love how we got this from bill burr's character it's like wow he's the one who's disenfranchised with like these um systems of government and it's kind of like the anarchist part of them it's so funny i love that so much it was great. i know i loved it like i didn't expect it but i was just like i didn't realize how much i want this i didn't realize how much i want this discussion because it's so poignant uh which and, and that's something that i really really enjoyed uh and in terms of the fight itself, you know, uh, the part where they start to get, um, uh, you know, chased by these pirates and stuff, it was definitely an interesting uh, set piece, to say the least. I really liked how the action was actually constructed, so that was very well done. To see Rhydonium back is kind of cool. That's back from Rebels. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, so that's that's very cool. When does, and, when does that appear in Rebels? Uh, very early Rebels? on. I, I believe it's the stuff that... Uh, that Hera and um, Sabine use very early in season one, where they're being uh, surrounded by those creatures who hate the light. Or oh, you know, it's, yes, yeah, yep, you are correct. Yeah, that's a rebels deep cut, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so yeah, mm-hmm. that's that. Now something else that was very, um, you know, to say the least, unexpected but welcomed is how much of Pedro Pascal we got to see in this episode. Uh, he did. had his helmet on for a Pedro big Pascal stint of time. Pedro Pascal turns mask off. Yeah. I, I did really like the idea that, like, we're getting to see him get more desperate trying to look for Grogu, and he's, well, he's shifting his rules, because, like, originally, yeah, as Bill Burr said, his rule was a Mandalorian never takes off his helmet, but in this, it's like, well, it's a Mandalorian never shows his faith, face, as long, but it's fine as long as he wears a different helmet, and then in the end, it's like, he, he can't go in, he needs to take off his helmet, and he ended up doing it, so we get to that, see him pushing his rules a bit, which is, I, know, I really yeah. like that. Well, we were just talking about Bill Burr's discussion with him when he just pulls this massive like, you know, Dr. Phil on, on Mando <laughs> is, uh, you know, that was my favorite part of it, is that he says like, you know, you have such stringent rules but when you think about it, you don't realize how, you know, stupid some of the semantics of those rules are, like, but, and yet you still follow them. But it wasn't only that he was, uh, that he was talking about. He talked about, uh, like, regardless of all of that, um, you know, at the end of the day, when you, when you get really desperate, you'll start to see how quickly you are bought from those rules. And that is exactly what we got to see because you can tell how desperate Dadalorian is to get his child back um, to the point where he is willing to break his rules to get him back, taking off his helmet in a room full of people. Um, uh, and that itself is very interesting and also kind of 
you know, weird. I didn't think of it like that. And that is basically that uh, you can show your face to people as long as you kill them right after. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the way that was kind of doing it is it's like, the idea is you're supposed to keep your helmet on, that's like the tradition, but however, you're not going to like be able to stop people from like ever like taking your helmet like if they're going to force you. So like maybe that means you need to like make sure that no one has seen your face and like a way that might be is keeping your helmet on always. It might be not letting them see your face or it might be if they have seen it, just shooting them. So I guess we, we like kind of stretch into what is this Mandalorian tradition? Because it's it's clearly not the only Mandalorian tradition. Like it's we've learned it's this kind of like highly religious cult section, the zealous cult or whatever of the Mandalorian order. Part of the watch. So like yeah. A kind of, yeah, we're learning a part into it, uh, learning about like where this history comes from, which is I think that's really exciting. Um, one thing I did want to address, like, so we learn about with Bill Burr, and we learn about his character. I don't know what the character's name is, but uh, Bill Burr's Mayfield, character. Yeah. Yeah, Mayfield, uh, that he comes from the Empire, and like, which was an interesting revelation, and learning about his history with it. Um, we also get the name drop of Operation Cinder, which, if people know yes. from canon, is 2. when... Yeah, well, it's, it, it was not created for Battlefront 2, but it's very featured in it. Basically, uh-huh. where Palpatine destroys the Empire after, if he dies, where he kind of like creates all these like things which kind of break down the Empire's structure in a bunch of ways. However, I really find it interesting that we get to we we Operation Cinder is still talked about and still that's canon in this universe, but also that Imperial remnants are a thing, but also the Imperial remnants helped and thought Operation Cinder was a good thing. It's like they were destroying the the unsuccessful failure parts of the Empire, but also like continuing on with the Empire and the remnants anyways, still fighting for the Empire. It's like some of the time it kind of feels like they're like wanting to continue the empire but also some of the previous stories have been told makes it seem like the empire was like trying to destroy itself it didn't really conflict it kind of conflicted a bit in my mind but i don't know did you notice the same thing i i I mean i don't know i mean when i heard operation cinder i just thought back to um you know battlefront 2 because that is the only thing i've seen it from i understand that you know it was it was it was a thing before battlefront 2 was a thing um, yeah, it was in a book. But, um, Aftermath, I think, was the credit for. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, because I always only ever knew Operation Cinder as a you know a sort of protocol enacted post Palpatine's you know quote unquote death, yep. as the sequels will have you believe. Uh, yeah. You know, that would basically take the steps to ensure the Empire's survival, which which is. Um, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I I I don't know. It I, could I might be. be completely misinformed. I think in the way it was in canon that. is the the general intention was is that if Palpatine failed, what it was is it was kind of like a punishment, like that the Empire have failing to to protect Palpatine deserved to just be destroyed. But I mean, I don't know if that's direct. I think because that was what it was implying, but it could easily be written that it's like removing the failing parts of the Empire so that the strong parts of the empire that weren't failing to palpatine could live on as remnants they could easily do it as that in which case yeah no 100 percent, no confliction there yeah no i uh and i need to employ it in this instance and uh, i do love uh getting to see more about bill burr's character in terms of where he comes from because this discussion he has with this imperial officer about the fact that um you know where he comes from essentially is 
um, this regiment that was completely wiped out, essentially friendly fire for the sake of, you know, you know for what the Empire would see as the greater good. Mm. Um, but, you know, and then Bill Burr starts to talk about the idea that, you yeah. know, oh, was it for the greater good for those people's families and the people that they cared for and stuff like that? And they were killed off, basically, mm. you know, this discarded because the Empire had no more use for them. And because of that, uh, Bill Burr got his revenge by killing that Imperial officer. Yeah. And... I love I really love that episode because it was, it was so a great good. way to build I, tension and the, it was I, very it was directed very well yeah yeah I agree I think I was like that whole scene like where the way that like that he he knew someone he recognized and that they had to send Mando in and then he was kind of like Mando had no yeah. idea what he was doing Imperial Protocol rise so then Bill Burr has to come in and try and stop and then they get a drink together like the whole building tension of that scene was great but when he was just talking about it and going like full like fascist like yeah no we had to kill people to preserve the order they pretend like what they want is freedom but what they really want is be controlled and order and just like and you can just see bill burgess yeah, being I'm like kill you now. like <laughs> taking the bait and being like well what about those people were they doing this and i'm just like Shh. and i'm like oh is he gonna shoot him he's 100 gonna shoot him and then he pulls out the gun and shoots him and everyone's just like takes a second and be like wait what and then he starts shooting all the awesome. other people i really oh, loved, that was so good i really love that, that scene so um I love that. to see that part was mm. was very interesting and i mean basically what happened is i mean just talk about the general plot of the episode itself because that's what i'm really liking about these episodes is i do like the serialized versions of mandalorian we do get but towards the end of each season which is we're getting you know season yeah. one season two you know the uh like you know a continuous plot starts to uh seek uh, you know starts to um you know slip in and basically what they had to do now is to locate Moff Gideon's ship they had to access an imperial terminal which can only be found in this base that they're on um on this on this planet yeah um something else that i really liked about this episode is we're getting to see more about the uh, new republic and how they operate because um basically what happens is they are able to basically go into uh, you know, prisoner camps, essentially, you know, when they're having them do their work and stuff. And they have this system where they can say, okay, yes, you do have a sentence, but if you do this thing for us, we're going to be lenient, maybe give you a, a, a uh, you know, a lesser mm. sentence and stuff like that. And it goes back to the thing that those two X-Wing pilots did for Mando, saying that, you know, yes, you did this, but you also did this for us, so we're not going to take yeah. you in. I do like how... The, the, I do like the the um the little well, hints that we're getting I, of how the New Republic operates. And so so yeah, I do like the idea that we're getting that portion of the New Republic is that you know they were born from the rebellion, so they would have this sort of uh, dynamic to how they do things. They uh yes, you're a bad guy, and we're going to have you in prison. But at the same time, if you do something helpful for us, we might be able to do something for you, like a sort of you scratch my back, I scratch yours sort of thing that they've got going on, which is an interesting way to uh you know run things and it goes back into that discussion that that imperial offer was having is that you know they don't want freedom and uh, security they want to be controlled which is interesting it's an yeah. interesting whole dynamic to, it's... To, that we haven't seen before yeah for sure like while the new republic definitely is still like the uh, trying to form a government trying to take bring back order to like the system up post empire they definitely do have origins from being pretty much everyone in the early days of the new republic were, were freedom fighters they were rebellion people so there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be more lenient when it comes to like laws and like structure and whatnot and if if they see you're clearly like someone of, of good standing who's trying to help out people in the galaxy they're going to be more lenient than uh, than like an Empire person might be for helping them out. So yeah, whether it be Cara Dune helping out Bill Burr's character at the end, or it be uh, the X-Wing pilot helping out 
Jinjara. So I think that's that's a really interesting idea. Yeah, no, I did like that at the end. Is that like you know that that funny little rapport that Kara and Mando have is that you know what? It's a shame that Mayfeld didn't make it out alive out there. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> and fun. I did. Oh, and the and the best moment was like, wait, does does that mean I can go? <laughs> he's yeah, just exactly. Like, no, because and and neither of them answered him, so he's just like, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go, I'm That's gonna, hilarious. okay, bye, yeah. I'm gonna see ya. Which is again, uh, go going back to Bill Burr's uh, comedic chops, which is which is great. That's good. Um, That's funny. and uh, it takes us to a very exciting place because they know where Moff Gideon is and they're coming for him. Yeah, which is going to make for a very very fascinating eighth chapter of the second season and it wrapped mm. it up in That's... in this is maybe my favorite ending to the to any of the episodes oh, so yeah. far because he's just like i think you need to see this and they bring up that awesome mando hologram and he repeats back the first words that moff gideon said to him but it is so much more meaning now because it's about the child and almost made me tear up god damn it he said he means more to me than you'll mm. ever know i'm just like yes Yes, he does, Mando. Get your baby back. Um, so yes. that's that's what I really loved about this ending, and um, it's going to make for such an awesome it's, conclusion. It's so good. Um, the dad, the Dalorian is is angry. He's ready to. I know. He's ready to get vent. Uh, it's, it's exciting. And one thing yeah. I'm interested about because this, I I I kind of assumed this was going to be like a two parter type thing for the next episode, but in a way, this was another bit of a setup to the final episode. So. I wonder how big this one final episode is going to be because I know they've got a lot to cover in the final episode. So you're right because at the end of the last season, you know, uh, the the closing seconds of chapter seven, and you know, this was chapter seven of the second season. The 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 closing seconds of the of the um of chapter seven from the first season was uh, a real cliffhanger because it ended with Kawil's death. You know, I was curious as yeah. to whether or not. This uh, and, and you know the the child being taken by those um, scout troopers. So I was really interested when the f- episode first started. Like, are we really gonna get a holy crap? What's gonna happen at the end of this episode? And it's gonna lead, mm. and the the start of the eighth one is gonna lead right in. Um, we didn't get yeah, quite think, that, but we got the next best thing. I'm glad we didn't necessarily get that 100% because you want to have some difference between each of the seasons. In fact, yes. I think this did it in a more interesting way, where it's like it's not a direct lead in like cliffhanger type thing it's like a it's a building up it's a like with this big whole speech that the mandalorian does at the end it's showing like just building the stakes that this final episode is going to have and so that's very exciting for me All right, i for am us, very I excited and you know it's 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 interesting to think about the fact that you know if there's one thing that mando is known for it's getting a team together when he has to go do shit um, it so, does. He just always does it. Like he loves being all alone until he needs something done. In which case, he's like, "All right, I'll just call all my friends. Just get, exactly. Call my homies around. They'll take it." Let's get a let's get a um get baby let, get baby back group chat uh going yeah. uh <laughs> with Cobb with with, you with get Cobb to, Van, Facebook group chat together on yeah with Cobb Van just invite the frog the frog right, lady. When's everyone, when's everyone available? What's what's what are we thinking? Yeah, I can't oh, do I can't good. do Friday. We can rescue the child on Friday. Oh, okay, right. Um, oh, I'm looking. Yeah, actually, I can do after two on Friday. That that would work. Yeah. Sweet. We'll we'll kill we'll kill Gideon at three. Uh, we'll, we'll get Moff Gideon at that point. That's good. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I look. I mean, it's not feasible because they were just civilians who were being ferried to one place to another. But it would be awesome if he's just like, I brought my secret frog weapon, lady, frog back. people. <laughs> no. Yes, we need the look, frog lady back. I, I'm, I I would be really intrigued to see Cobb Vanth back because at the same time I do I mean I love Timothy Oliphant and if you've got Timothy Oliphant you want you want to use him 
But at the same time, yeah. like, you know, I still have not forgotten about the fact that the last thing we heard him say was until our paths cross, which is the thing that we got to hear from Kara during the first time we saw her. What happened? She came back yeah. in, the, in the later episodes. Um, she's been really interesting. I think, yeah, I would really like it. I think they could totally do it. It would make a lot of sense. However, who knows if they will? Because, like, we kind of, yeah. we've seen Boba Fett now. He's pretty majorly in the group. We've already got a sizable-ish team going with, like, with Fennec, um, Boba Fett, Cara Dune, and and Dinjara, especially if we yeah. get back like one or two other people, it's starting to be quite large. So we don't need him. However, again, hundred percent love him. If Targ is back, forget. there are so many characters that you could bring. Yeah, back. exactly. Do you totally. think? Do you think we'll see Ahsoka in chapter eight? Uh, I would. I was. I would think it would have been a hundred percent had we not have received this TV show. So now I'm leaning to maybe fifty percent. Yeah, I'm thinking so too. Like, you know, I, a part of me would love to see her and Moff Gideon in a lightsaber fight. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's not the. Direct, we will see yeah. uh, Bo Katan back because she's looking for the Darksaber. Oh, And guess yes. who has the Darksaber? I almost forgot about Bo Katan, which is surprising because I love her so much. Uh, yes, yeah, I feel like that could cool. be a high chance. Because Although, I mean, Mando doesn't know he has the Darksaber, but Bo Katan does. Um, so does, they might yeah, so just... she's she'll be looking for him as well. So who knows who is... knows whether Mando will tell her or whatnot, but uh yeah, I think I think likelihood when I personally think we'd be more likely to see Bo Katan come back than Ahsoka. However, I think either one easily could come back. Yeah, you know, it would be interesting if they have a sort of uh thing where basically how he recruited Cara Dune for that final battle is yeah. um he basically said, like, you know, I need your help and she said, Nah, no, thank you, I'm good, and then he he, he all he had to say was He's Imperial. And then she said, okay, I'm in. So it'd be interesting if he has a discussion with Bo-Katan where he's just like, I need to get my child. Um, yeah, I, I thought like, the idea was that, that she said to Cara Dune, I need help with this. It's like, look, I know you don't like him. I, I, you don't like Imperials and I don't like him as the next time. Oh, but then when right. he said, oh, it's the child that is there. They have the child. Oh, no, then she was see, like... I was, I was referring to last season, but that's another prime oh. example. Oh, um, final season. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's that's so another that's another season. prime example. What I was getting at is, it'd be fun to have a similar discussion with Bo-Katan saying, "Hey, I need to get my baby back," and basically, and basically, she's yes. saying, "Look, I, I, I um, I, I hope you get your child back, but at the same time, I have my own. De- uh, I know where Moff Gideon yep. is, and he has a dark saber. I'm in. <laughs> that, uh, yep. I'd be really interested to see a conversation like that. Dark saber. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it'd definitely be cool because interesting." Interesting roads that they can go down in the future. Yeah, she also has that Gazanti freighter. It'd be cool to see that back. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a fun one. Uh, yeah. So, oh God, there's so much to unpack about this episode and what could and what uh could lead into next episode. And you know, we've talked about it I a think lot. We can... and... Yeah, we've we've addressed a lot of different things. I think overview. This episode was a lot of fun. We got a lot of action. Be it um like actually one of the most action packed. The previous one I thought we was the most action packed. This might even be even more. Where there was just like on the on the train where they were like flying around. Like it was it was there was a little goofy when they were like on their hover things where the the tur- like the turbo tank that they were in, which was fun from the Clone Wars, the Juggernauts that they were in were like very yeah. bouncy and like sturdy. And then there were these like pirates on these like goofy platforms that were like barely cobbled flying together it was very orky i liked but um yeah, no. uh, that that was that was fun and 
and so that that was cool but we got lots of action there and then then we got on the imperial base we got a lot of action one thing i one thing i did want to address is when they like managed to fight off the pirates and they make it in and all the imperials like saluting them and there's a lot of them like cheering in the air you kind of for a second be like oh yeah it kind of feels like a war movie where like they make it back in one piece they did it yeah until you realize wait no they're imperials this is a, this is a bad guys well, that's it's kind of like as if you guys. were like yeah, it's like if you were watching a war movie and like you like like from like the Nazis' perspective, and they're like they win a battle, like yeah, in charge of wait, 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 I agree, Michael. You know, I thought it was a very enjoyable episode. There was not only a lot of action, but also a really deep and layered part of this episode on top of it. This whole discussion that Mando has with Bill Burr about what rules you're willing to sacrifice when you really, really get desperate. And again, this like fascisty discussion they have at the table where Mm. you really get into uh, what motivated Mayfeld to the point that he's at now the point where he's an ex imperial sharp uh, uh, sharpshooter yep. and you understand where that x comes from um the action was mm. great Cara Dune and Fennec Shan working together was awesome Boba Fett in the Slave 1 was awesome the seismic charges will never get old that ending mm. was amazing uh, but, uh yep. it's just yeah i thought it was i thought it was really really well constructed i think Rick for me you did a great job in terms of the directing in terms of like again i like to get to the technical aspects sometimes i thought the way that this episode looked and the way he constructed the shots and everything I thought that that was really well handled again uh, the Mandalorian uh, filmmaking you know sorry not filmmaking just you know pr- production team again shows how qualified and capable they are and I am super super pumped for a, a for an awesome conclusion to what has been a very good season so uh, yeah, that is definitely. that is that and I like to think that that puts a nice little button on that discussion as a whole which brings us to what is nearly an hour and a half show and given how much we had to talk one, about no. I think that's a yeah with all the stuff that we had to talk about I think that that was a, a pretty good way of condensing it all into a feasible conversation so I've had I know I've had a good time uh, talking and uh, we're recording pretty late today Michael so um, we've definitely had we a lot have. of time on our hands um, but that is also okay doesn't matter it doesn't mean the episode will be going out any later um so speaking of that guys i hope you really enjoyed this episode uh because you'll already be listening to it you know this but this episode will be going out at 12 p.m aest uh on the Mm. sunday you'll be listening to us then and the youtube version will be going out on the wednesday uh you know in the in the following uh days um, stay tuned for the rest of our content because we will be having one last review and discussion episode for the Mandalorian to wrap up the season. And it's then be a big one. It, uh, it is going to be a big one. And then we're going to have a very, very fun show for you the week after because Michael and I are going to be having another end of year Christmas special, if you will, where we will be yeah. pa- uh, facing off in another trivia bout to see who will win this Ooh. time. Um, yes. And that will sort of serve as our season finale, if you will, before we take a little time mm-hmm. off for Christmas and the time that I go away yep. in January. Um, but that's yeah. beside the point. We'll get to that uh, and cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, other than yes. that, guys. But, yeah, basically, uh, just to like finish off the year, but yeah. Exactly. Because once we finish and- the Mandalorian. Exactly. Yes. We'll be sure to start up next year because we've really enjoyed doing this podcast. It's been a great thing. We've had so much fun with it. And um, it's just, it's like, I've, I've loved Star Wars since I was a child and I've especially got really into it a few years ago, but it was kind of starting to wane a bit. But starting this podcast again has just reinvigorated my love of Star Wars so much. And so for that, it's just been a blast for me. It has. Yeah. And uh, we will definitely be sure to emphasize that 
in our last two shows, guys, uh, mm. uh, and um, available on in uh, social media as always: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, find us all there. Again, YouTube. Like I said, time codes for our discussions will be available in the description, uh, as well as the links to all of the proper places where you can read about these projects and stuff. We'll chuck those down there too. Uh, anything else to say, Michael? Uh, no. Oops, sorry. Again, sorry about missing last week's episode. We've had schedules and stuff outside of our lives, but definitely we love bringing you Mandalorian episodes and whatever episodes we do, and we thank you so much for listening, and uh, we hope you'll join us in the future, next week and beyond. Well said. Stay Star Warsy, everyone. Uh, no, and... no, no, no. <laughs> I am not retiring that phrase. If we are keeping the Willow discussion in here, I'm keeping yes. that in there, Michael. All right, uh, all right, all right. That's, a good, that's a good trade-off. That's a good trade-off. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys right. for listening. Stay this has, everyone. We'll see you next time. This has been Telling, Telling the Odds.